Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening and welcome to our podcast once again. I am DJ Boyer, and I'm joined by Zach Gutierrez. Again, as What's we, up, uh, everybody? We've just completed the third week of the NFL season. We'll talk a little NFL. Wild week in college football. We had a, a couple of very good finishes there, some, uh, some things that we didn't think that we were going to see, or it's been a long time since we've seen some of the things that happened in, in college, and just a couple of other interesting discussions I guess we'll kind of start it on the NFL tip. We did it uh, with college last week, so we're going to just jump right into the NFL. First off, I guess we'll talk a little bit about uh, the game tonight. Since we uh, we both got last week's uh, wrong, we, we both had picked the Colts and the, the Jets. Played a very, very good defensive game, and the Colts almost going 0-3, but they did pull off the win. But tonight we've got the Packers and the Chiefs. And kind of a must-win for the Chiefs after that game that they just absolutely gave away against Denver. Had a couple other uh, days to rest for this. So they, they played the previous Thursday, and now they, they go all the way to Monday. So 11 days between games. Packers a little bit banged up. Who do you like in tonight's matchup, Zach? Uh, I like I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs because I like their pass rush. I, I mean, I really love the pass rush. I love the emergence of Marcus Peters. I, and I don't think with Lacey banged up that the that the uh, the Packers are going to be able to get anything going on the ground, and that's going to let the guys like uh, Justin Houston, Tom Bali pin their ears back and and chase down the quarterback. Obviously, it's tough to ever go against Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback in the league, at home. But uh, like you said, it's not a must win. But I like the I like the Chiefs because I mean you can't call any any week three game a must win, and also like you said, the extended time off. Andy Reid, you give a great coach like Andy Reid extra time to prepare. You have Eddie Lacy who's banged up, so I, I like the Chiefs tonight. And the Chiefs just seem to, other than that Thursday night debacle, show up for these, uh, these, these primetime games. Yeah, 11 days off, that's a lot to give a Chiefs team. As a matter of fact, when Andy Reid was coach of the Eagles, uh, there was only one, one year that he had actually lost coming out of a bye week. He had a, I think it was 12-1 and one overall. It was an absolute ridiculous record uh, coming off of byes. And, again, it is very hard to pick against Green Bay and, and what I think believe both of us and many perceive to be the best quarterback at the NFL level in Aaron Rodgers. But you've got a pretty efficient quarterback in, in Alex Smith, uh, Jamal Charles, who made that very costly fumble, and I think he's got a lot to prove. I kind of like the Chiefs here, but, it, but again, this could go either way. I think Eddie Lacy is going to start the game. He's been upgraded to probable. But I think we're going to see Gene Sparks get more of the work. Also, Devontae Adams, who's a – Receiver who's taking on a, a large chunk of the of the Green Bay offense, him and James Jones, uh, trying to make up for the loss of Jordy Nelson. Uh, it looks like Devontae Adams a little bit banged up as well. He'll probably play. Both of those guys that I mentioned, Lacey and Adams, should play, but they're they're both probable. They're but they're both a little bit banged up. So I, I think uh, they they may take it a little bit easy with those stars because right now it's 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 a race. It's not a sprint. So I think maybe because of that, I, I can see uh, Green Bay. I'm, I'm going to say Green Bay comes out on top of this. I'm going to say 23-21. If I had if I had to guess, I'm going to say that uh, uh, 28-17 Kansas City. I think Kansas City shows up, and I think uh, 
with with the skill plug, the, the position players a little banged up. I like I told you, if you can't run the ball in Kansas City and you let if you let Justin Houston, especially Justin Houston and Tom Bali, just pin their ears back and pass rush, I don't care what quarterback you are. Uh, it's they're they're going to get to you. They got the Peyton Manning uh, on Thursday Night Football, even though they lost. I mean, no matter who it is, they're going to get to you. I don't think you'd be hard pressed to find a better uh, pass rushing combo in the league. And banged up, that is a great segue to the uh, the next little place we want to take this. We saw it with Tony Romo in week two with the broken clavicle. Now week three, Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's going to be out for at least four to six weeks with the MCL sprain. Devastating injury. What does this do uh, for Pittsburgh? And, you know, Michael Vick just seems to, to reinvent himself. It's about the fourth or fifth team he's been a, a backup with, and then he's, he's kind of seen some time uh, just in the last handful of seasons. And Michael, does Michael Vick give the, the, the Steelers enough to kind of get through this? Because they've, they've got a pretty tough schedule they're going to be playing. And I believe they're the Thursday game coming up this week. So not a lot of time against Baltimore. So, so what do you think overall about uh, Michael Vick? Is this, uh, this is a very tough stretch for them if they've got to go, you know, four to six weeks with Michael Vick. And you've got a yeah, I mean, team that's not all, losing it's, right it's now. a huge drop-off, like a gigantic drop-off. I know people are saying, oh, you got Vick. The Steelers got Vick, so they're going to be all right. But, I mean, Roethlisberger was playing the best football of his career. He had an interception this game, but he was 20 to 24. This year, he's looked better than he's, than he's ever looked. So, I mean, it's a devastating loss. I had a feeling when he got hit that it was going to be of the four- to six-week variety. And I, I'm not saying that in retrospect. It's very similar to a hit he took against the Chiefs on, uh, on primetime football a few years back, and he was, out, he was out four to six weeks. And I think it ended up being like seven to eight weeks. But having Vic stood, but uh, like I said, it's a, it's a huge drop-off. And I'm curious to see if, if Gronkowski gets healthy, if, if, he, if there's a little backup competition between him and Vic. Yeah, and they, they do get Le'Veon Bell back. And, of course, there's a number of weapons on this Pittsburgh team. You know, Antonio Brown showing that he's one of the better receivers out there. And, you know, defense, they, they really spent a lot of time trying to revamp that secondary. So the big thing now, though, is, you know, after, after dropping that uh, initial game of the opener against New England, they are 2-1. and one, But the Bengals right now, wow. Uh, you're talking about a team that is 3-0 and oh, and – we always know that, that playing the Ravens, it's one of the best rivalries that we've seen in football over the last five years. And even though the Ravens are 0-3, they've lost all of those games, I believe, by under a touchdown. They've had a chance in every single one. And, you know, playing an 0-3 team, a team that really has nothing to lose with their backs against the wall, I think that really makes it doubly dangerous for a team like for, for Pittsburgh. They could really be walking into the proverbial hornet's nest on this one. But let's not get crazy on the Bengals. If you were to ask me what – this time last year, who is, the, who is the class of the AFC? People would be uh, a huge majority of people, especially after the Patriots got hammered by the Chiefs last year in primetime football, would say uh, it, it's Cincinnati. And same with the year before. So Cincinnati tends to start off really, really well. You know, there's no pressure in the beginning of the year. But, I mean, they look very sharp. They're a very talented team. But I'm encouraged for the Steelers because defensively they stepped up to the plate. They got out of they got out of St. Louis, a very, very tough place to get a win with a victory. Like Tomlin said, a Vic got us out of the building. So uh, he did enough to get him out of the building. I mean, he really didn't do much. But their defense seems to be rising to the occasion. I think it'll be – and they were missing Ryan Chazier as well. So I think they're going to uh, – I think defensively they're going to they're gonna rally around a young defense. I think the defense is going to step up. And I, I wouldn't count the Steelers out by any means, but – Vic, uh, it's fortunate that's early in the year because Vic tends to really struggle in cold weather because he's got those tiny little hands. So uh, it's, it's nice that it's going to be more temperate weather, you know, while he's under center for Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, and uh, another another team I want to talk about a little bit, the Atlanta Falcons. They win again in impressive fashion. Come back against uh, Dallas. That was a, a matchup of 2-0 teams. 3-0 right now, Matt Ryan, he might be playing, uh, you know, you were talking about Ben Roethlisberger and the fact that he's playing about as, as good as he's ever played uh, before the injury. Matt Ryan, and, you know, a lot of that will have to go with, with Julio Jones, who I think has, has become the, the best wide receiver in this league. But Devontae Freeman really having a breakout game, and they've got a guy like Kevin Coleman. So uh, maybe we're seeing Atlanta kind of uh, move to the echelon where we're looking at a division where last year nobody wanted to win it besides uh, Carolina going on that tear late. Now we've got Carolina and Atlanta both at 3-0. and and the fact that uh, the Falcons look like one of the best offensive teams in the league right now. It's early in that division. People are already counting the Saints up. But the Saints lost two very, very close games, and then they got beat by who I think is the best team in the NFL. They looked pretty good uh, with McNown, but it, it's uh, McCown, but it's uh, no, it's it's still early. But like it's looking like it, it's going to be the Panthers and the Falcons, and I'm leaning towards the Falcons. The difference between the Falcons this year and the year since they lost. Michael Turner. I think that's when, when they lost the ability to get the third and one or the third and three. Everybody knew the Falcons were passing on third and three, and they couldn't get the tough yards when it mattered. And it's, it's just funny how Michael Turner just kind of fell out of the league. But when they lost Michael Turner, uh, they never got it back with Steven Jackson. And uh, when Coleman comes back and with Devontae Freeman running the way they're doing, and it's just like the, the Dan Quinn attitude. I mean, they're looking like, uh, like a team that can compete in the NFC. Definitely a team that can compete. And another big NFC matchup, which – I wasn't really surprised by the result, but just how lopsided it was. Of course, the the Arizona Cardinals have one of the most, probably one of the most underrated defenses around, and just a lot of just solid players. And we talked about how deep they are. But that game, that that blowout uh, against San Francisco, Zach, do you feel that was more of a we're really seeing the Cardinals really be the team that they can be with with Car- Carson Palmer back at quarterback and and being healthy? Or was this more of a testament to just how far the, the 49ers have fallen? Uh, I think it's a little bit of a testament to both. Because like I said before, I think that the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL. And I think if, if, in Arizona, they're definitely the best team in the NFL. Uh, I'm just uh, – I would be worried. They, you saw how good they were last year before Carson Palmer. This team really lives or dies with Carson Palmer. And they really haven't done much to address the back and quarterback situation. But uh, uh, obviously, it looks like the 49ers are, are digressing. But when you, when you get off to that type of start, Kaepernick's first two passes were touchdowns for Arizona. It takes Carlos Hyde out of the game. It takes him out of the, the type of game they need to play to be successful. The type of game they need to play to be successful is the type of game that they played against Minnesota opening night where they don't, they don't ask too much of Kaepernick, where they let him make half-field reads, where, Carlos, where they're feeding Carlos Hyde the rock. Uh, and when, when they get down, they're gonna, they'll, they're a very, they'll be a very, very bad team if they're down 14 points, 21 points early like they were, because they're not a team that's equipped to come back and score a lot of points in bunches. Uh, but it's, I would not, I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't count them out yet. They need, uh, they just need to be in the type of games that they can play. Uh, and uh, Arizona, I mean, they look, they, Larry Fitzgerald looks, uh, not as good as he ever was, because that year they went to the Super Bowl. He, that was the most his playoff performance, probably the most dominant I've ever seen by a receiver. But he's he's up there. And then you got the Brown boys and Michael Floyd. I mean, they're they're dangerous. When Ellington comes back, let's not forget that they haven't played with Ellington. Then they got Chris Johnson and they got David Johnson. I mean, this this is a this is a 
a lot of talented players on both sides of the ball. Tyron Matthew is really starting to look borderline elite. I mean, they are going to be a very, very tough team to, to play, and I'm looking forward to both the games uh, against Seattle. Those are going to be really, really excellent games. Yeah, and that touches upon maybe the last segment before we kind of go to the college game or in a different direction here. Three teams that had started 0-2 that, that got wins this week. Uh, it was it was a real close win for the Colts. They started 0-2. They they avoid it. Uh, Seattle, of course, started 0-2. They get a, a win against the Bears, who, who could be, in all honesty, the, the worst team in the NFL right now. They just look totally lost. And the Eagles had also started 0-2. They start pretty strong. They kind of hold on. Don't They fail to put the Jets away, but they, they do hold on for a 24-17 win. So those three teams there, which one do you think was the biggest win? I mean, I think we all expected them to have pretty decent seasons or, or be contenders, but any of those teams are 0-3. That's just a gigantic hole to, to climb out of, and they all do get a win. Uh, which one do you think – which team do you think really needed that win more, more than uh, any of the three that we mentioned there? I would definitely have to say Indianapolis because the, they didn't, they, they kind of lucked out with that win. They really came back for the majority of the game. It looked like Tennessee was going to win that game. And for, for somebody like, uh, Andrew Luck, I mean, I, I, he's not like a head case by any means, but having a, a, the way he started that game, I mean, to have three weeks like that and one of them be prime time where you're just absolutely terrible. When they invest so much in you, granted, they didn't invest much in the offensive line, but to get Dorsett in the first round. Uh, I mean, they, they needed that win, especially against a division opponent. Um, that division's relatively weak, uh, so uh, they probably could have survived going 0-3 and, and still contend in that division, but that would have been a rough, brutal loss. And I don't, and I didn't think they were going to win for the majority of the game. I mean, that was a, that was a game where the offense really stepped up, and I think it's what they needed, and I think it'll, uh, you know, right now they're, they're still in, Obviously, three weeks in, no one's really out of it. But like in that division, they're they're in pretty good position. Yeah, I think uh, Indianapolis. That, that's a team that I, I picked to go all the way. I thought they would really ride that Andrew Luck train, and it's just been baffling the the, the start that he's undergone. The, the defense has not really turned the corner. They still they still just seem to have this soft mentality that they're thought of as a a very soft defense. Uh, I think with Seattle, I think we knew that that zero and two was, was something that wasn't going to last. But I think Seattle. Yeah, Seattle uh, there's, I still put Seattle in my top five teams. Every time we have a conversation since since it's, since they went to that since they smoked Denver in the Super Bowl, the same thing last year when people are like, "Oh, Seattle, uh, Seattle going to make the playoffs." At the end of the year, either in the divisional championship or the NFC championship, you're going to see Seattle. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I, I, I was never worried by, about Seattle, especially against Chicago. I mean, I'll, I'll take the Buckeyes over Chicago. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, with Philadelphia, I, I think that's that's big, obviously, for Chip Kelly. It's such a tough city to, pl- to play in. And, boy, the Bluebirds were out in full effect after two weeks. The Eagles offense just looking so inept. It's good to get that win, but that was far from a convincing win. They did enough to get by. The offensive lines looked better. The defense really hasn't been that bad in any of the three games, if you look at it. They've had a, a couple stretches where they could have played better, but the Eagles are, are ahead of where they were last year defensively. But uh, the one thing I've said is, DeMarco Murray, that was just a colossal waste of money. Now, I, I think that the 11 yards on 13 carries is not all his doing, but he's more of a, you know, they're asking him to just kind of run around along the outside of the edge, and that's just not DeMarco Murray. Ryan Matthews, it's a better fit. 
uh, you know, you get him for it's thirty-one million dollars less, eleven million dollars. It's it, it's really a bargain for Philadelphia when you look at what you spent on Demarco Murray. You know, he does have a little bit of an injury history and has fumbled in the past. There, there's still some problems going on there. There's still some timing issues. Sam Bradford has not looked, you know, really, really sharp. But again, the defense they did just enough. Uh, they, they got some timely turnovers, and again, there's there's some there's maybe some hope there because you. The NFC East overall could be uh, the worst division in football. I, I mean, that could be a division where nine and seven wins it this year. So for Philadelphia, AFC South too. Let's well. not forget about that AFC South. <laughs> yeah, the AFC South is uh, well. We all expected Indianapolis to be off to a better start. So yeah, uh, still still they're still in the lead, though. You know, that's what I was saying about the AFC South. Even if they lost, I mean, they would have been two games behind Tennessee, but like <laughs> they're tied for the lead in the AFC South right now. So it's you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, but uh, I think what's much needed for Philadelphia, I think Seattle's the best team of those three that we talked about. Uh, I think it, it really needed some momentum for the Colts, but I think maybe for, for Chip Kelly and just starting to kind of quiet uh, things down in the city a little bit. Now you get a Washington team that, again, it's got to start winning some of those division games. So there's still some hope in Philadelphia, but things have got to change pretty quick. Your, your, your thoughts on the Eagles before we move on and do a little bit of college football? Like I said last week, I said with all the terrible things that – not terrible, but like with all the the lack of rhythm that the offense has shown, I would be a slightly encouraged for two reasons that Romo's out and uh, and they – I mean, they lost to the Falcons that week. So that's going to help them out in, in the division race. But the defense has really looked much better than it has in, in uh, years past with Chip Kelly, and, and they've been keeping him in games. And uh, maybe that's – it's a little bit of a – uh, identity change and probably not the identity that a lot of people expected. But I think with this type of defense, and I, I agree with you 100% that DeMarco Murray was overpaid. I, I thought the Cowboys recently have showed such, have done such good moves in the front office, passing on Manziel to take, to take Zach Martin, even though I still love Manziel. Uh, signing DeMarco Murray to a, like a two-year, $5 million contract to back up Joseph Randall rather than shelling out what is it, eight that, that DeMarco Murray is making. But I think if you realize that this is not the team that you thought it was going to be that was going to be dropping a bunch of points and, and getting more plays off than like any team in NFL history, that they have a really pretty solid running back. I don't think DeMarco Murray is a terrible running back. I think if you let him run the way that he, that he runs and you combine that with a pretty good defense and a division that's going to be a little bit weaker than expected, don't count Philadelphia out. Agreed. And, and one thing you couldn't catch or really count out, the Texas Tech-TCU game, that has to be – Right up there, we've got our early nomination for game of the game of the year so far uh, at, at the college football level. This was a game I I had uh, went on the blog and said that I thought Texas Tech was going to win this straight up, and I was about 20 seconds from looking like a genius. And yeah, you were essentially uh, right. I mean, they 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 stepped <laughs> up. I'm just I'm curious to see how they do this week after like a game like that. But I've that reminded me of the Scott Frost uh, Nebraska game, you know, years back. Yeah, was that against Missouri? Was Missouri the game? Was it Colorado or Missouri? I think it was in Missouri. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Missouri. Yeah, and I think Colorado, I think, is always remembered for the uh, is it, uh, Colorado. Yeah, they, they, uh, I think they played Missouri in the, the year that Colorado wins the championship, and they had the uh, five-down uh, goal line where uh, I guess the uh, marker was never changed on the on the sidelines, and they essentially got a touchdown. Yeah, 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 down, five down. Try. That was uh, – one of the more controversial ones, I believe that was the Eric Bieniemy led uh, Buffaloes right before there, and uh, you had the Rashawn Salam days right around then. 
but uh, a great game. And but uh, as far as just a shocker, I thought Utah could really hang with Oregon. Uh, I thought they had a shot to win, but 62 points in Oregon. Wow, that is just an absolute, just just a stunner. And, and do you remember who I said place. last week is my uh, my team that could sneak in? You know, like that traditional powerhouse. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah. but but sixty-two points in you. I mean, in Oregon, boy, that's just serving notice. And and you know that we we talked a little bit about the the Pac-12 as well being that conference. Who again, I, I think they're behind the SEC, but the last few years, I think they're on the same echelon. And now, I think they're really starting to assert themselves. Uh, you really got to start making a case for you know maybe at some point they they kind of surpass the SEC as the power conference. Oh, I don't know about that. But let's, I want to get too carried away because UCLA is good, but UCLA has got a freshman quarterback. I think Utah is good, and I still think they could sneak in. And it's amazing because I don't even think Devontae Booker ran for 100 yards. If you would have told me that Utah was going to score 62 points and Devontae Booker wasn't going to run for 100 yards, but Travis Wilson came back, he looked gimpy, but, I mean, he was surgical. He was absolutely surgical. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think either of those teams are as good as uh, – and I know you could make an argument because Michigan State played Oregon close. Oregon played Michigan State close, and then Utah blew them out. But I don't think they're on the same level as the SEC and, and the elite Big Ten teams yet. And also, uh, you'd have to say Michigan State there, you know, one where we're talking one-two for the Big uh, the Big Ten with uh, Ohio State keeps winning. Michigan State, I just think there's a lot of balance there in Michigan State. And, and if you're a, a Buckeye fan, are you worried about the Spartans right now? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, this is a Spartan team that two years ago that uh, the Buckeyes were. I mean, I, I counted the. I as a Buckeye fan, I cried after that Auburn kick return against Alabama because I thought I thought it was a done deal. And uh, they went to Indianapolis and Michigan State beat them up. They beat them up. And I don't. I think if that didn't happen, Ohio State would have been so prepared last year. Because as much as somebody like Urban Meyer says they don't play with a chip on their shoulder, they don't think about history. They think about it, and it showed last year the way they came out. But I mean, Michigan State the exact type of team that will give anybody a hard time. An excellent offensive line. People don't realize they, they can run the ball. They think because they lost Jeremy Langford, they're incapable of running the ball. Uh, I mean, they're uh, – Connor Cook is a potential first-round draft pick. I mean, they're, they're good. I'm very – I'd be very worried about them as threatening to Ohio State. Yeah, there's a lot of balance there. And Leonard, Leonard Fournette right now is, looks like he's just absolutely running away with the Heisman Trophy. Talk about the fact that – you know, we had a few 2,000-yard rushers last year. didn't really look like we were going to see one, but I think with Fournette right now, he's on a record pace. But other than him, I don't really see another 2,000-yard back in uh, in this year's crop. But he just it just looks like he is just a man running against boys right now. And, and Syracuse, you got to give Syracuse a little bit of uh, props there as well. I think they've improved their football program. They're, they're starting to be respectable again in, in an ACC, which – Aside from Florida State, I think they've really lacked having that uh, traditional kind of other second or third tier team that is just within striking distance of Florida State and having that big rivalry. Uh, it, it's a deep conference, but they haven't really had a lot of top teams. But but Syracuse has done better. But but Fournette is just just running through defenses at will right now. He he Scott looks like uh, you know rarely do we see running backs taken so high in the draft. We talked about Ezekiel Elliott and the, the amazing postseason run he had. But uh, you got to think two years from now, Fournette's got to be a guy that maybe you think of as possibly a number one overall pick. He just looks – it's just incredible to watch him run right now. 
Yeah, uh, this might be the year that a running back gets it. You know, since since Mark Ingram, you know, it hasn't been one. Uh, there isn't a quarterback other than maybe Blinken that looks like you, because you know it's not going to be an Ohio State quarterback right now. I'll tell you that much. But uh, I mean, don't count out Boykin after that last week. Maybe Doxon takes a few votes from him from that just absurdly excellent game. I mean, just crazy, crazy excellent game. I still, I, I don't think they're going to make the, the noise that. I mean, they're, they're definitely not going to be a playoff team. But I mean, I'm loving. I'm and he's not. I'm not even throwing him in there for the Heisman. But Jared Goff, don't sleep on Cal, baby. They beat Washington this week. Yeah, four zero. First time they've been four zero in a while. Uh, He's had a, a few better games. There were a couple of big throws that he missed in this game, but again, he doesn't make the mistakes. When What I like about him is when he does make a mistake or misses a throw, it's not like he's, he's putting it out there to get intercepted. He's kind of putting it somewhere where if his receiver's not going to get it, no one else is going to. So he did miss some throws in this game, but again, he's not making costly mistakes. Um, he does a good job of looking off his receivers. You don't, don't really see, uh, see him kind of holding in a receiver and, and kind of floating a ball out there, having someone kind of jump in front of a route because he does a very good job of looking off his first or, or his second option. Uh, him and Cody Kessler, I think, are, are right now probably the best at that uh, at the college level. Kessler does a great job doing that as well. So not not one of his best games, but, again, uh, I just like the fact that he's not making um, terrible mistakes. And he, even the one interception he threw this week really, really wasn't his fault when you break it down. That was kind of a – uh, a mistake on his receiver's part, so you got to take that one away from him. And I, I talked a little bit about Gunnar Keel and the fact that he's got to stay healthy, and sure enough, he <laughs> takes a big yep. hit, he leaves the game. But you got to talk about the quarterback on the other side there. Paxton Lynch is a guy that's got to be opening some eyes. Eight touchdowns, no interceptions, a guy that can move. And uh, wrote about this today, the fact that six foot seven, 245 pounds, this is a guy that's going to, if, if it's not just his great play, but just a physical specimen, I think this is a guy that we're going to possibly talk about in this draft, maybe in the mid rounds, or people are going to say, "Wow, why not take a flyer on a six foot seven, two hundred forty five pound guy that that doesn't make a lot of mistakes?" Paxton, Paxton Lynch has got to be opening some eyebrows as well. Yeah, I remember. La- I mean, sometime last during the draft, we were talking about uh, uh, Gunnar Keel, and I said that I didn't like Gunnar Keel, but at the same time, I felt like an idiot because. I said that he had a really bad game against Memphis, and I made Memphis seem like this, like, secondary, marginalized team, and they are not. Uh, this is a team that is, I mean, they are solid. And I and I didn't realize how good they were. I still think Gunnar uh, Keel, like, to, to project him in the first round, like, silly, but, like, I, I was wrong. You you told me Memphis was good, and I, like, didn't really know because I didn't think this is very, very good. They're a good team, but I thought it was really kind of more riding that defense. They've, they've had more defensive players taken out of that school in the last four or five years than a lot of people realize. That offense has really stepped up. I mean, there hasn't really been a really big draft prospect out of there since the days of D'Angelo Williams, but this is a oh. team that has now scored scored over 40 points now in uh, in seven straight days, uh, seven straight games. Yeah. Donatarius Cole, that was their, their last big one they got. That came out oh, of there. Yeah. On the defensive side of the ball, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that was uh, the last one that I remember. Do a little something a little different now. Just just go a little bit into the draft as we talk about, you know, it's only three games into the season, but we'll, we'll look at some of the teams that we think are at the bottom that are the absolute worst right now. We're, we'll play GM. So we'll, we'll talk about some of these teams. I know I'd mentioned the Bears. you got to put the Browns there again. I'll say the Bears right now. I, I just think they're just the worst 
uh, team that's out there. I'm kind of going to kind of throw you some teams, just evaluating or what you've seen in the first couple of weeks, maybe a particular like a set, player like a or a direction where you think they should start uh, looking in this draft. If you're a Bear guy, you're you're the GM. Where where are the Bears? Where do you think they need to look in this draft? Uh, well, any team that doesn't have a quarterback, they're not sold on. You look for a quarterback. I'm not totally. I mean, yes, the Bears lack talent. When you have Jimmy Clausen back there, they're going to look bad. But I mean, I I think you could make an argument that for the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, and head coach, that I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find a better trio than what the Bears have. So, like, all, all faith is not lost. Um, if you don't have a quarterback, you got to go out and get a quarterback. I, I'm not sure if there's one that warrants a, a top pick like that. I mean, you, you know I love golf, but uh, he's still a little slight. Uh, I'm never sold on a quarterback that, that, that's slight. Like the same reason why I'm not 100% sold on Mariota, even even Carr, uh, Bridgewater. They're all they're all a little little too small for me. I'd have to say uh, you, you couldn't go wrong with Bosa and Vic Fangio's defense because you could put them in so many different. I mean, you could really line them up anywhere. They were, they kind of run like a multiple front defense. Uh, but I mean, if you're the Bears, back or back or or, or just get the best available player, the, the best player on your board. That's why I mean, I, I thought Bosa would be pretty good. You know, um, I don't think they're going to need a running back. You never draft draft a running back that that early. But I think Jeremy Langford is going to step in where Matt Forte uh, slows down. You got Kevin White and Alshon Jeffrey already. So I mean, you, you got to go. Either offensive line, defensive line, or quarterback. And I'm letting you be the GM here. And as you throw it out, just for for devil's advocate's sake, I'm always always trying to take a, another another approach. So yeah, I like it. I like. I, it. I would, and I, I would definitely have to to go offensive line first because you know so much is made of the defense. This defense, they've given up more points in the last two years. I think it was two years ago they gave up more points, uh, the, the most points they've ever given up in their franchise history. Last year was second worst. They improved by like 40 points. It was still the uh, the second worst uh, ever. But uh, yeah, we we see a lot of a lot of shots. Matt Forte is probably getting hit in the backfield more this season than I can remember in his last maybe last three or four years running the ball. I think the there's the quarterbacks are under a little bit of duress there, and I, I think maybe there's just going to be a lot of good tackles in this draft if everyone that we think that's going to project. Uh, or come out would do so. I think maybe Laramie Tunsil, there, there's a couple of, maybe some character issues and, and the fact that uh, he's coming off a major injury. So I think just to be safe, I, if I'm a Bear guy and I, at, at number one, I'd say go Ronnie Stanley out of Notre Dame. I think he'll probably uh, project this year. He could have came out as a, a redshirt sophomore last year and still probably would have been a top 15 pick. But I, I think uh, you just go for the safe pick there. I'll, I'll, I'll go franchise tackle. Yeah, I don't well, want them to go. Well, I don't want them to do what the Dolphins did a few years ago, where they took Jake Long when Matt Ryan was sitting there. So I mean, if if, if one of the quarterbacks stepped up, steps up, you know who I think it's going to be that steps up, and it's like that quarterback that is fringe first overall, and and, and you go the safe route. I mean, you don't want to be that that, that Miami. I mean, think about if Miami had Matt Ryan, how much different uh, the landscape of the NFL would have been the last few years. Absolutely, or you know, year even years before they they really had the prime. They had the number one shot at really signing Drew Brees. Drew Brees was coming off of his uh, shoulder yeah. injury with the Chargers. They passed. They go the Dante Culpepper round instead. Culpepper, so, yeah. ouch! The, <laughs> the Dolphins have not been not been. Uh, they don't have a quarterback whisperer there. That's for sure. No, they don't. Uh, so I, I think maybe another bad team. You know, we, the Browns. They're perpetually bad. 
know, we've, uh, you know, we've even heard some whispers. There's some people already saying, bring us Cardell Jones. Uh, the, the fact that, you know, you've got some of those hometown Ohio fans that maybe want that uh, Ohio State glory and getting them in there. You're, you're a, a Brown fan. It's just futility there, just year after year. It's a revolving door of quarterbacks, but there's obviously needs abound. Where do you go if you're a Cleveland Brown guy? Well, you know, oh, first of all, I'm not a Browns fan. I just want the Browns to be good. Uh, it's just like it's a shame that the city of Cleveland loves sports so much, just can't seem to win a championship. And they love the Browns more than they love any team. Uh, I still love Manziel. Uh, I'm not – it's it's too early to take another quarterback, especially first overall, unless you, unless you have, like, the first overall pick and then they play Manziel this year, like, starting week six. And, I mean, he doesn't look like he's improved any, but I think he, he looked like he improved. I think he's only going to get better, and I am still a believer in Johnny Manziel. He's got those big old hands, and I think that's very important. Uh, I know it's tough when you Gilbert a few years Gilbert a few years ago, but if they're drafting in like that five to ten range to match Hargraves up with Joe Hayden, I mean that's a that's a that's a that's a nice little Florida Gator tandem right there. Um, and a skill positions every year, I think that they're gonna they're gonna address. And I know it's it's. It just sounds like, you know, the typical person saying, oh, get a wide receiver, get a wide receiver. But, I mean, Travis Benjamin, uh, you don't know you don't know about Josh Gordon. I mean, you don't know if Josh Gordon's going to play again. I mean, he hasn't played football in so long. Can you really expect anything out of him? Uh, I mean, they got rid of Jordan Cameron. I mean, they, they have no pass catchers whatsoever. So, I mean, you you got to go out and, and get a pass catcher or, or some sort of playmaker for Manziel, whoever the quarterback is. But, uh, I mean, they have nobody to throw to. And if, if, if I had uh, to pick someone, uh, Treadwell, don't sleep on Michael Thomas because he's, uh, he's a local. But Michael Thomas is, I mean, he looks like an NFL receiver already. Uh, you know, he's got the bloodlines. So, I mean, some sort of receiver, some sort of. And look how well Amari Cooper, I mean, look how Amari Cooper has worked out so far. And look how Odell Beckham and Mike Evans have worked out. These receivers, apart from Kevin White, I mean, these receivers – are ready to come into the league and they're ready to contribute. And I don't know what, how the coaches are making them contribute so quickly because it really hasn't been like this in years past. But I mean, you, you got to get someone to make plays in Cleveland because they got no playmakers. Yeah, and I think the only argument I can offer there is the fact that I don't know if if they're picking number two, they obviously need pass catchers. I think they have to address that at some point. But I don't know if there's a wide receiver at number two. Now again, if if I think if the Browns want someone that bad, they would definitely have to trade down. Uh, maybe somewhere in that 8 to 15 range, and I think they get a, a really good uh, wide receiver. Another guy I think you, you don't want to sleep on, Corey Crawford out of uh, Baylor. Uh, of course, people are going to say, wow, the, the Baylor route, we've, we've gone that with with Josh Gordon. But I think that uh, Crawford, is, he's just a big play waiting to happen. I do Same like with Doxon. Don't sleep on Doxon. That's true. And, uh, you know, he's a man. He's 6'3", too. I mean, he's a man. He was on – Stoppable on Saturday. Yeah, Tyler Boyd out of pit. You know, would like to see a, a little more out of him, and then you know, yeah, that's the last thing they need though. Is somebody that's you know has any sort of history with off with the training. field, exactly. Off the field issues there is what we got there. Yeah. I do like the fact that they went Danny Shelton this year. That was one I was vocal about, and they went there. He's played pretty well, although they, they're still having problems stopping the run. But he has made a difference. He really, really looked good in the preseason. He's played pretty well thus far. I still think it comes down to, to the, the pass rush as well. I would want an impact, an impact rusher. I think a Joey Bosa would be perfect here. And Emmanuel Ogbot of Oklahoma State, someone who can really get to the quarterback 
you know, Barkevius Mingo, he, he continues to show flashes, but he's just never been that consistent force. And it, it's a long time since the Browns have had a consistent pass rusher, someone they can, a young guy that, that offers them some promise where they think maybe in a year or two he can turn into a dominant force along the edge. So just because of that, I think there's going to be more top-flight rushers at the top at the top of this draft where I think they would pick by a wide receiver. So to play devil's advocate, I, I would go defensive end or that, that linebacker, that kind of tween player. Unfortunately, uh, before the injury, Miles Jack, because we know how much they need linebacker help as well, he would have been perfect. But uh looks like we don't know if he'll declare or if he'll actually have to come back now that uh, he's been lost for the season. Uh, we'll have to see what happens there in UCLA. He could still declare. But like you said earlier, two is or, I mean, a, a middle linebacker to go to. A pass rusher, I understand, you know, but somebody that's probably going to play. But that isn't your. That isn't like a, an elite, elite pass rusher. It's. Uh, I mean, that's high. Like when I'm picking two, it's it's tough. It's tough to project. That's why I like the Bosa. You can't go wrong with Bosa. Can't go wrong with Bosa. Absolutely not. So uh, I think we're going to do this with a, with a few more teams. Uh, Talking uh, futility-wise, who else are we going to put in this? I think we, we talked a lot about the 49ers and the fact that they descended so quickly. So here you had a team that just a few years ago you were in the Super Bowl, and now you're just at the bottom of the barrel. So are you totally starting from scratch if you're a, if you're a Niner GM? Or do you think maybe a few tweaks and maybe this team can be contending again? And where would you maybe look for them? Who would you look for in the draft? They can definitely compete. That's the thing I love about the NFL is there's, I mean, there's not any team. I mean, apart from maybe Jacksonville. Cause I told you, I love the Bears coaching staff so much that I, I think when they get Kevin White back next with Langford that I think is going to end up emerging being, I think he's going to overtake, uh, take Kerry. Uh, but the, the Bears aren't in terrible, terrible position. They got playmakers. I mean, I really don't think Jacksonville's got much. But the 49ers, uh, they were just hit like no team I've ever seen hit. Misfortune. Just crazy to have, to have Alden Smith get in trouble again. To have Patrick Willis retired. To have Chris Borland retire. Uh, they lost Frank Gore. Justin Smith retired. Like the, that, I've never seen an exodus of talent from a team like that really in NFL history. But they, they've drafted well. They've got some young players that, that are going to step up. Uh, Armstead's going to step up. He's looked pretty good. He, I mean, He's been getting some penetration. Uh, obviously, Carlos Hyde looks all right. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, I'd be uh, I'd be sold on Kaepernick, and I wouldn't be opposed to because uh, I'm, I'm I really think he's like an elite elite player. Is Hargraves? I think I think he yes. makes it a lot easier to rush the passer. Yeah, I think they were getting shredded. Makes me harder to play devil's devil's advocate because that to me is the perfect pick for San Francisco. Um, but I, I think maybe you just add another weapon, uh, another pass catcher, maybe even. You know, it's very early. You don't want to say first round, but maybe if you want to say second round, maybe start looking for that top tight end because I think Vernon Davis, we've, we've seen uh, he, he's not going to be the player that he once was where I think he was a top five tight end in the NFL. They've not gotten the type of production that they've wanted out of Vance McDonald. So maybe you get that defensive presence. And then maybe in the second round you look for a tight end. You, you look for that safety outlet, maybe the top tight end off the board. So uh, maybe that's a, a good place for them to go. Maybe um, uh, someone like an O.J. Howard from, from Alabama, if he is declare, uh, declares. Um, a Hunter from, uh, from Arkansas, I think, is an, another. Uh, even a Stephen Schuf Vanderbilt, uh, it just seems like uh, the SEC is loaded with tight ends this year. Uh, that, that maybe uh, that, that's a, 
just a position where it just seems like San Francisco would, would really benefit with, with that offense, whether it's Kaepernick or someone else running the show. So I'm trying to think here, uh, another team of, you know, we can talk about Jacksonville. Uh, they, they always seem to be near the bottom. But uh, I think what about the Saints? We'll we'll go Washington and the Saints for our last two teams. Washington again, another you know the the quarterback controversy there. Do you start looking quarterback there? The the three has just been awful. And and even though uh, this is a team where there's you can make an argument over the last ten years, maybe there's not been a team that's been mismanaged as much as the Redskins. You gotta like the fact Brandon Brandon Schultz played pretty well, and with Trent Williams, I think you've got the beginnings of a, a pretty good offensive line there. So where do you go if if you're you're Washington Red? Do you go for the quarterback or do you go in another direction? I I definitely think quarterback. And there's uh there when you whenever you don't have a quarterback, and to say that Kirk Cousins is is a potential solution is just I mean he turns the ball over. So I don't understand. I understand because he's less sporadic, and you kind of. You have more control over a system. He can run a system better, but he can't run a system that well. I I think they're a quarterback should be like you said. They they got they have pretty decent players. Uh, Matt Jones and Alvin Morris behind a pretty decent offensive line. They could compete with a quarterback. I think if you put like a mediocre quarterback in Washington, if they don't go out and they don't trade for somebody, you got to go quarterback. You just got to end the, the whole RG3 stigma has been just terrible. You got to just turn the page in the franchise history. It just seems like there's, there hasn't been anything good happen to the Redskins lately, from Shanahan being fired, the RG3 to the box, to the, the, the controversy over the name. Like, just get a new face of the franchise and, and restart. And, and don't trade up because you gave up enough picks. We've seen how that ended up. Hargraves, again, here would be good. I would argue the secondary and the fact that I don't see a, a safety that's going to be warranted that high, but maybe if Washington trades back or that second round, you know, I think ever since the days of Sean Taylor, uh, they really have lacked that leadership uh, in the secondary as well. So I, I think getting someone in that secondary, uh, I mean, right now, D'Angelo Hall's been your most consistent uh, corner, and I believe this is his 13th year in the league. You're talking about a guy who's, probably running out of gas, and he's coming off of a major Achilles injury. So someone in that secondary, a, a big pick, I think would benefit the Redskins as well. So, yeah. and, There's uh, not a team, I would say, when you say Brent Hargraves, and I'd be like, no, you know, because you can always have more corners, and I, and I think Hargraves is just a monster. Uh, he's he's got to get some Heisman consideration, I believe. He, he just he shuts down a side of the field. Yeah, and, well, and even that, though he's a little bit like Landon Collins, and I'm not sure how he is against the pass, but, I mean, Jeremy Cash is all over the field. He, he looks like Cam Chancellor in college right now. Uh, that's somebody that, uh, you know, I'm not saying that he's a top-ten pick, but, you know, he could be, like, somebody that's drafted in, like, the Landon Collins position next year, and that could be, like, a, a safety that would be very nice for them. Hey, carrying a second-round grade, he's actually number two on the uh... – uh, draft site, uh, safety rankings overall. The only safety that we have with a late first-round grade right now is Carl Joseph out of West Virginia. And, again, just don't think that uh, a safety is going to warrant probably a top 15 pick anywhere. That is no, no, definitely not. Safety, it's probably 25 and back. It's going to be in the later uh, stages of the first round. But Cash, absolutely high second round. He's uh, the number two safety on our board. 
So we'll, we'll maybe maybe Connor the last Cook, maybe Connor Cook or Jared Goff. I like Connor Cook because he's not slight. And then maybe if you think that you're a quarterback whisper, and uh, you could just wipe, you could just erase uh, Hackenberg's mind and make him forget about his college career, which has been just a huge disappointment. And then yeah, maybe you get him if he shows up later in the year. But definitely a quarterback. And Connor Cook is a little too much like Kirk Cousins, but maybe Connor Cook. <laughs> Agreed, and and for this last team, we're going to give you your wish. We're going to go to the Saints because, you know, we've got a team that started 0 3, but, you know, they haven't really drafted that badly when you look at it over the last few years. They, they, there's been some good some good picks there. So, so where do you go if you're uh, looking for the New Orleans Saints? Uh, I, the reason I brought up this is a good question. I think that, I know it's going to sound redundant, but Hargraves obviously uh, uh, would be uh, a really, a really nice fit for really any team, but Hargraves would make an exceptionally good Saint. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you uh, maybe you trade your pick and let somebody climb up and get four net next year. <laughs> I mean, this is a funny thing about the Saints is like, other than a pass rush, they're they're not too bad. I, mean, I think Drew Brees has got at least a year or two left in them. Uh, they drafted Grayson this year. McNown showed that he can uh, can play. I like Mark Ingram as an elite back. They got T.J. Spiller, Brandon Cooks, and, and Coleman has looked really, really solid. Maybe you go out and get a tight end, but like, I, it's got to be a pass rusher. They can't. Yeah, and if I if to play devil's advocate, I would just have to go on the other side of the football and say you want to draft an, uh, an elite offensive lineman. Uh, Zach Street's really been probably the most consistent lineman they have here. Again, they have good linemen but they don't really have great linemen. So I think maybe if someone's available that they think uh, you know, in a year or two can really turn into that uh, elite Pro Bowl-type lineman, I think the Saints could, could do that because they probably missed that. Uh, they haven't had that since Willie Rofe. So they, they've got a serviceable line. It's, it's one that's getting a little bit deeper, but just uh, I think the other thing there is they don't have the, the stud that you can plug in anywhere, and they don't really have the versatility. We're seeing a lot more... Uh, teams that, that really kind of value that versatility, something that you know, Bill Belichick and some other coaches, they like the people that you can shuffle around, have that backup that can play, you know, guard or tackle or sometimes even center, guys that are interchangeable. Don't really see that as much with uh, the Saints. They seem to be, this is where we're playing, you're, you're a right guard, you're a left tackle. They, they seem to be a little more stringent in their assignments. So maybe if they get the uh, the more people along the line that can play multiple positions or just that stud lineman, I think that would go a long way. Maybe maybe help uh, keep Drew Brees in a, a Saints uniform and productive as long as possible if you're protecting his blind side. And when when Drew side. Brees is really prolific, I mean, Drew Brees is always really prolific, but when Drew Brees is really, and the Saints were elite, it's when they have those really, really good, they had really good interior linemen for a few years. And I, I think that's what they need. And I'm not sure if you draft a guard that early, but... I think Drew Brees, almost more than any quarterback, benefits from having those really solid guards and pass protection because he's a guy that really doesn't stray too far from the pocket. Yeah. If there's any sort of if there's any sort of rush in his face, it's tough for him. He's a tiny little guy. So uh, when they when they had Matt Evans and uh, then another pretty solid, like a really really solid uh, guard, but just the interior line. And I think that's something you can address. But, they, I mean, they got Pete this year. Uh, so they kind of address. That's why I was kind of leaning towards a pass rusher because, I mean, they just – they really don't rush the passer. 
Well, I think it was a pretty good show there, as usual, and I want to remind everyone to try and get on draftsite.com as much as possible. There is going to be a, an update. We're, we're updating our positions right now for the draft. There's going to be another mock update coming. There's actually the mock engine has been updated recently where all the past revisions are, are ones that can be viewed, so you can not only see you know, where we had someone in, say, Mach 4.0, Mach 7.0. You can look at maybe how particular players are trending, ones that are moving up or ones that are moving down, or maybe a particular area where your favorite team might be looking, even if it's in the later rounds for, for all you draft nicks. So be sure to hit on, uh, get on the site this week. There will be lots of good stuff coming. And uh, another good show. Uh, any parting thoughts that you uh, want to put out there for Zach for this week? Yeah, I'm going to sound like an idiot because I actually went to school there for a little bit. But, and, I, and I don't remember his name, but who is this Georgia Southern running back? He looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you – do you know? Uh, the, the, the one that's there now you're talking about? Yeah, the one that's there now. I'm telling you, this kid is a real deal. He's like he's – uh, like, uh, oh, you got. I'm oh, telling you, you got to watch him. He's crazy. And all my oh, – I remember I used to – you know, associate with some of the football players there. And the best football player when we were there, Jermaine Austin, he was like their dominant running back. Because George Southern always has an excellent running back. They said he's the best they've ever had. And they had Adrian Peterson, the one that people don't really recall, that set the record for most straight 100-yard rushing games. I mean, they say this kid's far and away the best they've had. And they had McKinnon a few years ago. And they're like, this yeah, kid McKinnon was is, quarterback, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So th- this kid, they say, is like going to be – this is this is the best player they've ever had, and all the players that were there when I was there are, are talking about him as like you know like um, like a like a like a a little bit quicker, less of a bowling ball, Maurice Jones Drew. Because I only think he's like five foot six, but he is. You got to watch him. Impressive. Well, I'm get, glad get you're bringing up the Sun Belt though. I'm glad you're bringing up the Sun Belt because uh, there's a junior running back there that I think could be the real deal. Appalachian State's Marcus Cox. That's another guy you really got to watch um, against. RPI teams are, that, have, that have been in the top 40 at the time they've played them. Marcus Cox has played uh, four such teams in the last uh, two seasons for 100-yard games. He's a guy that plays really well against top-flight competition. I think some of those smaller backs, him, like a Kenneth Dixon from, from Louisiana Tech, another small school guy that uh, I think is really going to show well. But uh, – Oh, I'll have to check out a little bit more of my uh, Georgia Southern film. I'm a little bit behind on that right now. But Marcus Cox, that's another yeah. another guy, Appalachian State, and they've cranked out some good uh, prospects in the past. Uh, another running back that I think we have to watch for the 2017 draft. All right, very cool. I'm interested to see what you think of him. Uh, watch him a little bit, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's small running backs, David Johnson, baby. Weston hasn't really panned out, but, uh, you know, they don't mess uh, you can You can come in and play right away. McKinnon. Last year, it's not like a, it's not like when you're a quarterback and you're grapple and you need a few years to get used to it, because these small school running backs can come in and they can they can play. Absolutely, and small schoolers, I love watching the small schoolers, and we have our small school rankings available on DraftSite.com as well. So enjoy the game. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, you'll have watched a very good Monday nighter. We'll see if the Chiefs do come out victorious, and hopefully, we're not wrong like we were last week. So, thank you for a great show, Zach. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll see you at DraftSide.com. All right, see ya.
Voices 